Yeah, it went really, really well. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty great. That's great. Yeah, it went. People seem to love it. So that's yeah, great. That's oh nice. my god. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I guess um, we'll just start. There. Yeah, just, just um, we'll, we'll hop in there and just. I'm, yeah, I'm open to whatever, so you can ask whatever, Sarah. You really can. Amazing. Yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, so I'm curious about the show that you're currently working on, His Shadow, because from what I've been reading, from what I've heard about you talk about it on you know before, it's football and activism. Yes, and I'm really curious as how. I mean, obviously, we've seen it in the news. Like, there's definitely real life examples, but mm-hmm. it seems like these, like, they're like kids. It's not like NFL level, right? So, his shadow is essentially a parable okay. about uh, football and activism, and it centers on a young man named Jalen Tini Evers Evans, who is trying to get out of his brother's shadow, who plays in the NFL. Uh, oh, okay. A character named Juice. Um, and he's trying to get out of his brother's shadow. And essentially what happens is um, he goes to a college in the middle of nowhere, USA, and uh, tries to make a name for himself in college. And uh, something happens with his brother in police brutality. And he has to decide whether to continue his ambitions of being a huge football star himself or will he choose to be an activist okay. uh, based on family relations and issues. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then I don't want to give anything about the play away. That's what I was trying. I was yeah, trying no, to be I'm very curious, vague in that. Um, Cause that leads me to a question that I kind of had for you just about your work in general. And do you feel like activism and whatever craft that you are working on, be it for theater for you and, sports for this other individual um how do you feel like because clearly they intersect Mm -hmm. but um do you feel like it's a calling to make it a life's work or do you feel like they're things that can remain separate do you feel like they always are one and the same um or maybe just it's a journey for you specifically yeah i i feel like for me at this point it is a life's work at this point liberating my people and enlightening uh, those who think themselves white in our in our society is probably a lifelong mission uh, that will have a variety of of aspects and ways that I go about that. Um, it is still the entertainment industry, yeah. Uh, right? yeah. You know what I mean. So you have to do that. Um, but for me, my work as a social justice activist through the place that I'm in and the place that I direct uh, is a calling. Um, and an awakening for audiences and communities and probably will continue for the foreseeable future, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, check in with me in 25 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Great Wendy Way is back. I had the opportunity to talk with Wardell Julius Clark, who is quickly becoming a big name in the Chicago theater circuit. He's already made his mark as an actor with companies such as Court, Victory Gardens, and Timeline Theater, and is even a company member at the latter. Now he's becoming one of the city's go-to directors. Wardell's current project, His Shadow, is a world premiere that I had the pleasure of learning more about in our interview. Enjoy! As 
so being born and raised in Birmingham and like, you know, hearing the stories and like my uncle, like being like the water hoses put on him and like growing up with the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute and 16th Street Baptist Church, it's always been a part of me. Mm. Um, not that my family wasn't necessarily activist, but I was aware of, of it. It was part of the culture. It was part of the culture. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So when I got here, I didn't necessarily set out to start doing that. My my first play, Insurrection Holding History, is just a social justice play because it's just like about the Nat Turner Slave Rebellion. It is literally about the liberating of people. So, mm-hmm. and then I did other plays um, clearly focused on the black experience in different ways. And then when I started to facilitate place that I wanted to work on, it seemed to me what I continued to be drawn to uh, and the kind of stories that I was interested in telling. And then uh, through, uh, I guess, the, the alchemy of the universe and the work that I'm doing, other plays that I begin to be offered had some of the same themes in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just said, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. That's great. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. Yeah, yeah. and I think this is a great city to be doing that in. Yeah. Because... Chicago needs it. We all need it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And what um, brought you to... I mean, I know you went to DePaul, the theater school to DePaul, uh-huh. so that brought you to Chicago. Yeah. What what kept you here? Because you, the world was your oyster when you graduate, right? Right. Well, I think DePaul has a great network. You have a great network of... So that when you get out, our showcases that are in New York, L.A., and Chicago, you just have a a community that's like ready to accept you and keep you working and I just I I I knew on a very practical level that I could be broke in Chicago and still live but I couldn't be broke in LA or New York the same way the way I like to live yeah yeah (laughs) so that was a huge factor in it and then essentially once I I I graduated and started working and and didn't stop for a little while the work kind of dried up around like 2011, 20, at the end of 2011, 2012, for like a year and a half. But then I was back working again in 2013. It was the first production I did here at Timeline. Um, and then like I started being a teaching artist. And then I started like assistant directing two years later. And then like, because the work just kept coming and it kept evolving. And like my hyphenates of my name kept like, it kept adding another comma to something else that I did. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, this is only the one of the only places that I can do all of these things to this capacity. Like, who gets to, like, direct the plays they want and teach in a public school system teaching art? You know, like, teaching theater in classes that aren't theater classes because that's how our living history program at Timeline is set up, that we go into English classes and philosophy classes and teach plays, um, particularly at schools that don't have big arts programs. So being able to be a teaching artist, which is, like, a, a huge part of who I am, along with being able to be a theater practitioner and a producer uh it just it it has like grounded man and granted i go another coast and work i've worked in la i've worked in new york and will again um soon really soon i have some contracts already signed for la next year so that that but ultimately chicago is my is my artistic city home yeah where i feel most comfortable i know the people the talent is incredible and i i know that i can create the work i need to create with paper clips and staples. And yeah. This will be great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Speaking of artistic homes, we're at Timeline Theater, which yes. is your one of your artistic homes, yes. I would say. Yeah, it is. How um, did that relationship blossom? Because I know that it started when you were in a Raisin in the Sun with them. Right, right. And how did that flourish? Because, you know, so many people are just cast and then, you know, you see them next time in auditions. Yeah. But... 
I um so yeah I came in I had been trying to book a show here because time the the lovely thing about it is that timeline the timeline theater company is founded by DePaul graduates. Oh, I didn't so, know that. That's cool. Yes, yeah, so I was talking with uh, the students at Columbia the other day, and they were like, "How do you find your home? How do you find your tribe?" And I think I was loosely aware that timeline was a DePaul like theater like family who, who created this theater company, but I'm pretty sure I had forgotten at some point. And then I just like went into audition and booked the show, booked the show, and then while I was working here, it felt so much like home. This is back in 2013. Timeline felt so much like home. It felt so comfortable, to, like just being here around these people. Um, and then I we started the Living History program. I started as an actor going into the classroom. Oh, so you um, were there for its like yeah, development? Well, it, the program was already happening. Okay, but each show. After the the teaching artists teach the play for a week, and then they bring the students to see the show. Oh, that's cool! And the final day of the residency, actors from the show go into classrooms, and actors the students get to do the scenes that they've been working on that they just saw with the actors. It's a very unique program. Oh, that's neat. So I started as an actor in a *Raising in the Sun*, doing my scenes with students at one of the schools, and Juliet Hart, who's our education director. Um, she was like, you're really great with the students. Like, would you be interested in being a teaching artist? I was like, yeah, I've done some of it. I would love to do more. So we, like, took an interview, and that's how I started teaching. So I became, in a small way, a part of the fabric of Timeline by being a teaching artist in, in like, the end of, the end of 2013, early 2014. So I became a part of the company in that way. And then I think by 2015, uh, they asked me to be an associate artist, uh, in the company, just because of my living history work and how much I was like involved with with the, um, with teaching in the schools, and then two years after that, uh, they asked me to be a company member uh, two years ago. So, or yeah, early, yeah, almost two years now. Two years now. So, um, it was just like a natural progression, literally from booking a show to teaching in the schools to becoming an associate artist to becoming a company member. It's like the, the natural progression. Yeah, that's then, so cool. Yeah, and um, and then like last year, I start. I directed my first reading, my first reading here, and then I directed another reading as a part of our first ever uh, first draft playwrights collective workshop. So I directed wow. like two readings here, and now in our this coming season, this our actual current season that just started with Oslo. At the Broadway Playhouse, I get to direct my first show, my main stage show here uh, for the first time. <gasps> so cool! Um, so from like 2013 to like 2020, like it's seven years of growth at this company mm -hmm. that is founded by the same people that I we you know we have the same training, we have the same language. Yes, um, that's so helpful. Like and, and in another aspect, as far as like like uh, most theaters in Chicago or white-run institutions, um, this. Uh, by and large, is one of the least problematic white institutions that exist, <laughs> which is why it feels like Charles Andrew Gardner, who's another company member here, uh, we talk about that often about mm. how you know the uh, e even if there are blind spots in this in, in this company, they are quick to address, to apologize, and more than that, to rectify mm -hmm. immediately. Um, which is something that you cannot say for a lot of theater companies no. in the city, and. And there's an accountability that we all have of being able to speak up and say how we feel about things. That feels like it's the kind of it's the only kind of place that I could actually exist in. To be true, it's the only kind of theater company that I well I knew my voice was heard. Or if I'm like if I if I if, if one of us are voicing a strong opinion about something that we feel that is not right or or whatever the case may be, uh, we are heard here, which is lovely. So 
Yeah, I I love timeline. It is it is my artistic home. That's amazing. We'll be until until I leave this earth. Sure. Because I I'm they can't get me out now. Right. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> You're I, stuck. I, yeah. I was stuck. For I, people like my mother who listen to this, can yeah. you describe what the benefit is of becoming a company member of? a theater institution? Well, becoming a theater, um, a, a, a ensemble member or a company member or an artistic associate, you just have a theatrical home that allows you uh, a place to create, but also a community to exist in, to communicate with about things that are going on. Um, depending on which company is this different, like we as actors here at Timeline still don't have like guaranteed casting. It's not like you because you're a company member, you will be in this show. We all still audition for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ability to be able to get your work done or get in the room for something or for me to pitch a play that I want to direct becomes a lot easier as a company member than it would if, I mean, and I, I, the thing about Timeline is that we're so open and like, to other people's feedback and to other people's submissions. Um, but there is the benefit of like being at the company meeting where I can say, oh, I saw this play. I really want to direct this play. We all should read this play, have a discussion about it. Because we are that kind of company who sits all 17 of us now when we can, you know, via phone and, and we sit. Yeah, there's a lot of people to get into one remember. space. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I love it. I love it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Yay. it's great. It's really great. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, thank you. I love being here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have such a busy schedule, and you're just always doing something, whether yeah, it be I acting have, or teaching yeah. or directing. Yeah. Like, I have five shows this season. Five shows? Yeah, so I opened his shadow this past weekend. Yes. Um, And it runs through October 12th Okay. Uh, at 16th Street. Um, And then I... There's a week off this week, a kind of a light week with no rehearsal. And then I start rehearsals on Monday for my next show, Who Do Love at Raven Theater. So I literally have like a week in between and then have a couple of weeks off after that one opens before I start the next one in December. And then they start overlapping. And then it's just like, I'm in previews for one and first rehearsals for like, it gets really crazy. It gets really crazy <laughs> in, in 2020. At the top of January, it gets wild. That's great. Yeah, it's great. We I'm love excited. wild. You know, it's exciting. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Yeah, yeah, and these are all directing projects? Yeah, these are all directing projects. I am going to uh, star in a web series oh. uh, with a friend uh, that I was just cast in. Um, I've been, I was a part of the workshop, so I'll be doing that uh, at some point in late. 2019, 2020. I'm also um, working on my first feature film that I'm going to direct. Um, oh, so cool. that's exciting. Totally different medium. Totally different medium. Um, I'm learning as I go. Yeah. Uh, like most people are like, listen, yeah. like, I just started film directing yeah, and I just exactly. figured it like, out. It, which is what I'll do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's an exciting time. Yeah. What do you like in the room? Like what what do you what what does your rehearsal room look like? It's a lot of fun. You don't think work is getting done, but it is. <laughs> I just like I like I, usually my shows are really intense and have a lot of intense emotions and I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of friends. Um, so the rehearsal room is kind of a place that I just like facilitate and foster a great kind of energy um, that is super, super collaborative. I always say I don't actually like to direct. I like to coach. Like, he, I, like mm-hmm. I, I have ideas that I like to work with and things I like to shape. Um, but it's really all about everybody bringing their best selves to the room. And we just have a lot, a lot of fun. Um, I, I most... 
most actors that I work with are always like, you know, I love your rehearsal room. It's like the best. It was one of the best rehearsal rooms, and I I remember being in rehearsal rooms that was like that. And like I know my temperament and who I am as a person, and so I try to kind of foster that energy of like work should feel fun. Like like we make plays, you know. Like yes, we, we change hearts and minds. We actually have a very important job, but at the end of the day. We just make plays. So it should be fun. Like, we take it very, very, I take it very, very seriously. Um, but there's a lot of fun to be had. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I feel like people do their best work in those kinds of environments. Yeah, and they really then, do. then everyone feels comfortable. And yeah. can make mistakes and then not feel like they have to come in the next day, like, with their tail between their legs. No, like, I know. No, a friend of mine during this show, uh, his wife was telling me uh, about how he wasn't quite off book for something. And she was like, you know, Wardell's going to get you. He's going to yell. He's going to be so mad. Cause he's all... And he came home and still wasn't off book. And she was like, did Wardell yell? He was like, no, nah. he was like pretty chill about it. And then <laughs> the next day she was like, did he yell? He was like, no, nah. and I was messing up, but he was pretty chill about it. It's like, I if I hire you, I trust you to do the work. Like, yeah. if you get to a certain point, I absolutely will say something. Like, make no mistake about it. But I'm just not someone who, like... Is like doing that, and that's just not my style. Yeah, that's just yeah. Not my, and I'm not laid back by any means. I'm like definitely specific about a lot of things, like very, very specific about a lot of things. But um, I'm just not that kind of director. I don't, I don't like facilitating or fostering that kind of energy. Mm. Is his shadow the first show that you've done that? It's a it's a premiere, right? It's a world premiere. It's a world. Is this the first time you've done that, or have you worked on new works before? I worked on a lot of new works before. Um, this is the first full production world premiere that I've ever done. Like getting it off the music stands kind of thing? Yeah, getting it into a full production. This is my first actual, from concept to stage, Mm. where like when we first started talking about it. So you were with it like from the scene. Yeah, from from the the idea that Lloyd had. Um, I just did another one, uh, the Freshness Initiative at Sideshow Theater. Uh, a play called Christmas at Home, written by Calamity West, uh, dramaturg by Regina Victor. Uh, and that one also, when Calamity met with me first, she pitched me an idea. Uh, there's like not a page, there's not a character, there's not a word, it's just an idea. Uh, and I enjoy that. I enjoy helping uh, facilitate that conversation with the playwright, getting the story they want all the way up, you know, until the production. So, yeah, it's fun to do that. Have there been any challenges with... Oh, there are tons of challenges. Yeah, I would there assume, are... <laughs> but, like, I wanted to leave it an open yeah. question. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're, they're, I mean, because you, you're trying to figure out the world of the play, what the playwright wants to tell, uh, how best to serve the story, um, continuity of thought you know there are always new pages coming in and figuring out what works what doesn't work the cutting process the overwriting process so that you can be able to cut so that you have enough like there are there are a lot there is there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into new plays there's a lot of work that goes into new plays um but nothing that is ever insurmountable by any means it's just work Nothing. Is there anything unique to the fact that it's a new work? I mean, like obviously you're building the play, but you would build the play in other productions as well. Is it? Is there something different about? There's more freedom. Yeah. There's more freedom. Um, Does that make it feel a little bit easier? Then you're not you're not beholden to some sort of idea. In some ways, I mean, the the ideas are mostly just the playwright's ideas. But when it comes to like staging the play, or like the the 
I, I think of scripts as scores. They're all musical scores to me. They're all music. The, all the words on the page have a certain rhythm. Writers write in a certain way. So there's a certain energy. There's a certain, like, there is a thing. Like, it's all, I see words on the page as music. So even in my first rehearsal or the first read, I start, like, tapping. Like, if the pace is, because that's not what the rhythm is saying on the page. I hear it, mm -hmm. like, I see it like music. Um, so in that regard, it's easier for me when I'm, like, staging and working because... I am laying the, the the blueprint for what it'll be ultimately. So that's actually it's more freedom there, um, and just making it. Luckily, oftentimes the playwright is in the room, uh, so that you can, or even if they're not, you constantly in communication about what their intention of that is. Mm -hmm. um, Loy, Loy A. Webb, who wrote his shadow is also a screenwriter now for Nosferatus. Uh, and so she wasn't able to be in the rehearsal room as much with us for this process. Um, but she came in for a designer run. We talked and we had script notes and she sent back pages pretty much until last Sunday before we opened last Thursday. We got new pages on Sunday. And, um, but what she saw, she loved. And it's because of the blueprint she gave me on the page. So I like have, but there's a lot of things that are like, there's a lot of blocking and there's quite a bit of choreography in his shadow that is not in the script. And I, it doesn't have to be because it's the world premiere production. Like, right. If they want to put it in now when they publish it, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, it's, it's the freedom of, I can like, I have a blank canvas in a way to paint on, uh, staging wise and artistically because, yeah. and some scripts are like that anyway, where there's no blocking, but like, right. new, but new plays in particular, it's really nice and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Is that freedom what drew you to directing or was there something else that kind of sparked your interest? I directed something when I was in high school. Um, but it's, I mean, people have always called me a director. It was just an extension of what I knew I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily the freedom. It was just like, I think I had been in a couple of bad productions over the years and I was like, if these people are directing, I definitely can direct. <laughs> um, and then I started doing it and I was like, oh yeah, I do know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I, I like, it, it's a confidence that grew very, very fast. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I. I, there's there's no ego in that. It's just like I I know I like theater is church for me. It's very sacred. It's a very very sacred thing, and um, I take a lot of care and uh, it's very precious to me. Uh, so being a director was only an extension of the art form that I love and like flexing a different muscle. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you feel like you're a religious person? Um. I'm, I I would say I'm spiritual. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm a religious person. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not someone who, like, is in a church very often. Yeah. I think growing up, going to church and going to Catholic schools from, like, uh, pre-K-4 until college, being in Catholic schools that whole time, I studied theology in a way most people who even went to private schools did not study theology. Mm -hmm. uh, so studying theology particularly like catholicism theology compounded with like a southern baptist church i, I joke all the time that i'm Catholic, uh, <laughs> but like uh i mean my beliefs in, in god and a higher power are like very strong and and very present in my life um so in that way i, I guess i am religious and spiritual but i am not someone that enters a church building often um i firmly believe that my relationship with god uh, does not come in the form of going inside of a building. It's mm -hmm. about my relationship with God. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, I guess I ask because I'm curious. I I feel like 
I, from other people's experiences, from my own experiences, like sometimes people's religion can come in conflict with the arts. And because it's such a, they feel like separate things and they should, I don't think they should be. Yeah. But I guess like I'm wondering um, how, if you ever had to grapple with that. Yeah, uh, I didn't and don't. Um, I, I, because I studied theology, yeah, a lot of the things in the Bible I look at from a historical standpoint, and not necessarily I don't take it necessarily all at face value. Mm-hmm. I understand what a parable is, right? I understand what a metaphor is. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, so like, but, but basic storytelling, basic storytelling. Yeah. You know, but like, so many people take the Bible and all the books in the Bible as literal fact, verbatim, mm-hmm. and I think that alone can bring up great conflicts when we work in the arts, but um. I, I think the overriding messages in the Bible are pretty much all the same. Right. Which is just be a good person. Right. Don't be a shit. D- don't be person. yeah, don't be a bad person. Treat people well. Um and uh be considerate and love your neighbor like you love yours. Like there is like the golden rule is like literally the whole book or right. all the books. You Across know what I mean? The board Across the board with all religions. With, with all religions. Yeah. So that that fundamental idea is never in conflict with my art. Yeah. Um, I am, like, conservative Christianity, but, like, I don't... And I, 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 I guess it comes into a different kind of conversation, uh, but, like, I, I consider myself to be a Christian mm-hmm. who believes in Jesus and believes that Jesus was God's son, but I also don't believe in hell. Right. Like, which is a thing that, like, most Christians are like, Rrr. you know, I tell, <laughs> yeah. I tell my mother that, and she's like, what? Like, because for me... The good and the bad, the good and the evil, or whatever that thing is to me, and like there is some kind of antichrist, some kind of horrible revelations type thing happening. We can see that that is in whatever form that takes. Now, whether you look at the book of Revelations and you see like all of those imageries and the the heads with the seven horns and the seven crowns, you know all that, all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Like whatever that means, literally or metaphorically, may be true, but for me. The, the the spirit, the universe, the thing that I call God is not someone who can be all loving and allow souls to exist in an eternal state of torture. Those things, that's what's actually in conflict for me. Yeah. Like, you know what, that's, yeah. that's what's in conflict. That's in conflict in their book. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, like that, that, <laughs> that doesn't add up for me. Sure. So all the things, all the other things that you've ever told me about God, all the things you've ever told me about the universe, about all loving, all knowing, all understanding, and I have free will. Like, if I understand all these things, hell as a concept seems like an idea created to keep human beings in order. Mm. Because if we don't know that, if we think there's no result for our bad actions, then why why should we do bad things if there's no consequence right. for that? And, and whether or not I think there's a consequence for that, I think there absolutely is. I do believe in purgatory. Kill Move Paradise, the play that I'm doing here at Timeline in, in, in the uh, late winter, early spring, is for black men killed by the cops in a kind of purgatory where oh, they have wow. to relive their lives before they pass over into heaven. Um, something like that may exist. I, I feel closer to something like that, an in-between place between whatever the idea of heaven is and this earthly place. Like, sure, there's an in-between place, but the place that exists, that is just like all fire and brimstone, where like, and, and because, I think the other thing is because we take the Bible so literally, and we as human beings mentally cannot um, cannot facilitate an idea 
of like spirits like we we all still think about heaven in such a physical human kind of way yeah. and that's just not what it is mm-hmm. like no there's there's about two or three people in the world who have died and come back and told us what it is and everything they describe is heaven like but it's also has it is not human skin like you know what i mean it is a very spirit everything right. is telepathic everything is just un- because it's, it's it's not a physical place it's like not a phys- off a plane. Yeah, it's not a physical place at all um there's this story uh that this doctor tells who who died he was like underwater he was in a canoeing accident and died at no heartbeat for like seven minutes and then he came back to life and he um he describes where he went like the tunnel thing that we hear all the time going through the white light and he was in heaven and he said it was the most beautiful thing and this spirit that he didn't know and he didn't recognize her face kind of showed him around and then told him he had to go back. And he said he didn't want to go back because it was the this <laughs> feeling was like it was an amazing feeling. And told him he had to go back. And he eventually woke up, didn't have brain damage, learned how to walk again, like learn how to he was like a brain surgeon or something. Oh wow. Um but he found out that the woman who who took him around was a sister that he had never met who died before he was born. And oh, he wow. saw like a picture on her mantle. Um and he was like what what he could what he would impart to people. And what he would try to get to everyone to understand is that you're far more loved than you could ever hope to imagine. Um, and I was like, see, I buy that. Yeah. I buy that. Like, this person doesn't seem like a person who's, like, lived their entire life correct. Who is? You know what I mean? Like, but if that is his experience of just being a human who is, like, trying to live right and being a person, I'm like, I believe that for an afterlife more so than I believe there's hundreds of millions of lost souls yeah. screaming when souls can't scream because that's still a human thing. You know what I mean? All mm-hmm. the all the imagery yeah, surrounding the physicality it is, is, not there. is not there. So like I it just doesn't work for me. So in that regard I am like spiritual but I think a lot of my my Christian beliefs do not adhere with other Christians because if you tell a Christian you don't believe in hell, they they don't that's that's what they've been taught their whole life. It's, you know, that's... And I I was taught that too my whole life. Sure. But I, my understanding of it is just different. I, I don't believe in hell. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, everybody needs a different understanding of of what the purpose is. Yeah. You know, like, to be a good person. Yeah. To teach people that they're loved. And some people know. need that. Some people need their rigor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Some people you know, need the consequences some people need and the, the accountability. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. then some people just need the the idea. It's like, well, I'm just, I'm called to be a good person. Good person, yeah. 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 Do you believe there's goodness in everyone? For the most part. Some people are just shitty people. Yeah, yeah. Some oh, yeah. Are, yeah, I, 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 I think there is the quality of goodness in every person. I think even a sociopath uh, who is completely egotistical and self-centered and is probably a very evil person has at least a moment of goodness a year. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think I think our base humanity is goodness. Mm-hmm. I think our I, I think our base our base soul spiritual instincts is goodness. Yeah, I do. I like I have to believe that. I mean I try to. But then there are people who are just filled with hate, but that's taught. Yeah. Like there there are people who are filled with hate and it's not just racial hate, it's it's hate across every kind of line and that's just something that's taught. Um and you can't save everybody. And there's a lot of that, too. There's a lot of people in the world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, artists are just trying to reach as yeah, many as they as can. As many as we can yeah. to, to, to do the greatest good possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like your 
greatest good is yet to come? Or do you feel like it's like an ongoing journey? Like, do you feel like it's something that can be reached? I hope and pray that I am just scratching the surface of what I could do to help humanity. Yeah. I think I am just beginning with my part, my corner of being able to help. I think I'm just beginning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've lived a lot of life for 33. You just had a birthday. Yeah. yeah. Virgo. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yep. What's yep. your moon and rising? Do you know? Uh, I am a Scorpio rising and a Sagittarius moon. Oh, shut up. Yeah. You know that that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm an Aries moon. So like, uh -huh. yeah, that, that fire. fire energy yeah. that like is underneath yeah. and people don't really see it at first. So yeah. I get you. It's, I get you. Yeah, it's totally. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally there. Especially oh. living that contradiction of like, yeah. I feel like any fire moon like lives a life of contradiction. Oh, absolutely. Unless they have a fire, fire sign. sign. Yes, <laughs> like there's their sun and rising. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but no, I don't, I, I think, I, I think I have done some good, but I, I just don't think, um, resource wise I've done as even close to what I plan to do what I will do and I can say that in the affirmative other things that I will do yeah um you're nowhere near stopping I'm yeah. nowhere near stopping but like I'm I think I have a I have a good run out of the starting gate yes <laughs> I have a good run out of the starting gate that yeah. is so great yeah yeah I mean I've only known you for a short while and just watching your career explode over the past two and a half years yeah has 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 been incredible. Uh, do you? It's a blessing. It really is. Oh yeah. I mean, any anything like that. You know, is there is there something that made it just like spark? Like, do you do you pinpoint that on a certain moment in time? Like, it doesn't even have to be a theatrical experience. Like, was there an event that you were just like, my life is starting now? Um, not necessarily an event. I feel like my father passing was a moment, but I had already had shows booked and planned to be directed. Right, you were already, yeah. I was already doing things. But I feel like from that moment, there was a different drive of energy for me. Like, mortality became, like, very present in a way. Sure. Um, and so, my gradual kind of, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this, uh, it just put mortality in for my mom and my family and for them, the kind of success that I want to see. I want them to see me have it kind of like zoomed in and laser focused it for me. Um, but as far as like the moment that like, I think it's just like a, an accumulation yeah. of the work. I really think that's what it is. Like the thing is snowball. Yeah. I think it just grew and grew and grew and it just grew really, really fast. Yeah. And totally. that's a testament to like, not only me, but to the work that I was doing to all of my cast, to all of the people that I work with. Um, it is, it's a timeline. It is, that is a collective community effort. Like, I don't egotistically hold wherever my career is now alone. Like, there are so many people responsible for that. I mean, I think about, like, Leanne Brown, who, like, when there were certain shows that she didn't want to do with it, she didn't think she was right for, she was like, you should call Wardell. People like that, who, like, who are always opening doors, um is a huge part of why my career is where it is. Other people being good people. Yeah, other people being good people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I couldn't pinpoint it to one thing. Um, I mean, I would say like Dutch Masters or the, sh I mean, the shipment is huge. 
at the red tape last summer because mm-hmm. we were I, m- I mentioned we had a little uh, section in, about storefront theaters there that talked about I mean Jesse Green from the New York Times came and essentially uh, it wasn't like just a review for that show but essentially reviewed the show so whenever you get national press coverage yeah that's as a young that's director a big that's thing. a big thing yeah so after that I feel like the ball was kind of rolling cool um yeah but I haven't I think this his shadow is like one, two, three, four. It's only my fifth show. As a director? As a director. As wow. a as a solo director. It's only my fifth show. Cool. Um and then there are Hoodoo, uh Sheepdog at Shattered Globe, Kill Move Paradise. And then there's like three more coming after that before I go to Step Wolf and Associate Direct. Ooh. Uh, with with Anna Shapiro. Oh my god, yeah. shut up. Yeah. Uh That'll be that'll be fun. Are you excited about the Double Wars Prada? I am so excited. I just saw that. that they announced it's coming here first, which yeah. I guess makes sense. But like, yeah. that's so exciting. It's it's really really great. I was fortunate enough to be in the room this summer uh, for the uh, the closed in house workshop of it uh, in New York uh, a couple of months ago. It is fantastic. How it fun! Is, cool. It is. I'm just so excited for everyone to see that show when it's ready because it is the team is incredible like you saw the oh yeah the, like the team is incredible <laughs> elton john has written an amazing score it's just gonna be it's gonna be great oh that's so cool yeah oh my god i'm so jealous yeah. <laughs> beyonce's choreographer which you know i died about i got to meet her james Alsop, and i just about died like what the fuck and, like she gave us single ladies and grown women like and end of like i was just like ah, ah. Was, like, like freak, trying to freak <laughs> out I'm trying not to freak out rather but, oh yeah like, i just probably would have like melted at that point yeah, i don't think i, I would have like been a human anymore. i know <laughs> i know it was great it was really great how cool, yeah, cool. uh i'm curious because the answers are always very fascinating to me did did you always know you wanted to be an actor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like you pretty much like, since there's I, something I, there's something else I want to do. I was in an inner city dance and theater program from about seven till the time I went to college, and I was on the road like a lot, touring a lot of time during middle and high school. Touring as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I was on the I was a kid performer like touring a lot. Oh my god! Yeah, doing uh, what? Uh, this uh, shows uh, the, the the inner city theater company that I was a part of. They were like constructed, like essentially uh, musicals, but not so much musicals as like dance shows with like with scenes. Oh. In them. And we toured, you know, uh, Florida, Disneyland, Apollo, Houston. I was on the road a lot as a oh child. Oh my god! As a child performer, I didn't so. even know something like that existed. I yeah, mean, like I would think like oh, I was cast new- as like. Rolf in the Sound of no, Music. No, it's a very like, unique inner city dance program. Like, all the roles and things were, like, written for us for the kids who were in the program. We okay. toured it all the time. Um, but, yeah, I I think I was, like, four, and I said I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and then I, I somehow realized that lawyers had to lie, and I wanted to be an actor because actors told the truth. Little did I know. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and so it's, it's actually something that I've always, always, always wanted to do. It's, it's truly one of the only things that I've ever known. Uh, I'm good at a few other things, but it's what I'm best at. Yeah. And even still, like, even as a director, uh, I have incredible imposter syndrome uh, that I don't always know what I, I'm doing, even if I do. Uh, but as an actor, I am the most comfortable. I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, and it's, yeah, probably where I'm most at. I'm most at home on stage. Yeah. 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 So, because you feel most at home on stage... 
what drew you to start dabbling in, like, you talked about being in a web series, you're going to direct something on film. Uh-huh. Was it just the opportunity was there, and you're like, I might as well try, it, it, or? Yeah, it's just a natural extension of the work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there is just, it only keeps growing. Like, once you open the door, the door keeps growing, and you go, because, because money and opportunity and wider wider audiences and like it's just it's just the necessary next step in the progression yeah that's yeah. cool well yeah. good for you Thank i know you. that'd be that's i mean that sounds very scary so uh are you scared not yet not yet, not not yet. yet. <laughs> talk to me that first day of the director's chair on the set yeah and you're like how do i work like, this thing <laughs> uh, action <laughs> do i say that does someone else say that i don't know so then action yeah right that's first shot done yeah with that is looking forward to it that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's... I can't even imagine. I'm, I'm terrified of the camera, so, like, yeah. good for you. No, I, I I enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Good. Yeah. Um, well, you're just a delight to talk to, Ordell. I wish I thank, could do it forever. Th- thank you so much. But um, I guess before um, put a pin in it, mm-hmm. uh, the question I ask everybody I talk to is, what do you think makes Chicago theater special? Chicago theater is special because the artists here, by and large, are in it for the work. Chicago is a unique place that we don't book a show hoping that the show... I mean, we all hope that the show extends, but, like, we don't book a show other than like the career, the smart career strategic things that you like doing the show for. But particularly like in New York, like the thing about booking, you're booking a show in New York, you're booking your off-Broadway show to get to your Broadway show. You're booking your Broadway show to get your Tony nomination to get to your TV show. You're booking your TV show to get to your film. In Chicago, we can just do them all. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You like, wear, like you said, you wear all the hats at once. Yeah, you. I. I can. I can do my play and shoot an episode of Empire and go to O'Connor and audition for a commercial. You know, I can. I, we can do that all. And I think the artists here care about the work. Like we are invested in the work and the truth of the storytelling, and not so much what each opportunity can get us. Um, I also think Chicago's the best just because. Our community, by and large, is a community. Uh, there is always well wishes in the in the audition room, and like I mean, some of the audition rooms I've auditioned with some of my best friends, and we're literally just choking and cracking up before we go in the room, and then we all leave, and we're like, "Well, if you don't get it, I hope if I don't get it, I hope you do. Yeah. If you don't get it, I hope I. You know what I mean? Like it's that kind of energy definitely doesn't exist in L.A. Uh, and it is pretty rare in New York. Yeah, uh, that's what makes Chicago great. It is, a, it is a place where artists can uh, create, support, and foster each other in a way that is not necessarily... I mean, all of these exist in some degree, but it's not... Um, it is not the... It is not a full crabs in a barrel mentality. It is a most uplifting kind of a community. Which I think gets the best work done. Yeah. No, it does. Which is why we're the best theater city in the country. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great note to end on. <laughs> Thank you for being my guest, Wardell. Thank you, Sarah, and for I'm so excited me. for all of your future endeavors and your current endeavor. And I hope I get to see you sooner rather than later. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I would love that. Well, thank you so much. 
I hope you were as captivated by Wardell as I was. Thanks for listening to our chat and make sure you check out the world premiere of His Shadow at 16th Street Theater until October 12th. I hope to see you at the theater and back here for another episode of Great Windy Way.